Well, what business are we in? Are we in the healthcare business or are we in the, the film business here? Continued fallout after Peace Arch rents out a hospital unit to a film production and how Fraser Health is responding. Homeowners bitter about a sweet fee. Short-sighted, not thinking long-term what's the best for mission and our rental stock. Why some say the surcharge might take much needed rentals off the market. Peace of mind on the slopes. You can just quickly look on your phone and be able to exactly pinpoint where that person is. The new tracking device being offered at some BC ski resorts. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thank you for joining us. It's a real hospital being used as a fake one. A film crew took over a floor of Peace Arch Hospital in White Rock this week, leading to some questions about how Fraser Health can afford to give up precious space at a time when beds are in demand. But as Alyssa Thibault reports, the health authority says it's playing by the book. An unusual sight in a hospital parking lot. Trailers and generators for a film crew taking over a section of Peace Arch Hospital for a two-day shoot this week. The optics raising some questions. I don't know if their priorities are in the right spot. Like maybe they need to focus on the medical system rather than filming movies. And sparking outrage from the BC opposition. Taxpayers are paying to be here. Right? They're the citizens here. They're the ones that should be getting service in that hospital, not, the, not, not film crews. We have a floor of a hospital that's empty being used to make a movie, and it's unacceptable. The setup took over surrounding streets, but Fraser Health maintains hospital operations were not impacted, saying the filming took place in a very small, closed, non-active unit currently being prepared for upcoming renovations. The crew that should be going in there is not a movie crew, it should be a construction crew to get that work started. Fraser Health adding that we understand and appreciate concerns expressed and want to assure everyone that the decision to allow filming was made with careful consideration for patient care, operational needs and the overall benefit to our healthcare services. We also spoke with a staff member to see if there were any concerns from those working here. They told us the only issue was a bit of congestion in the parking lot. A location company promoting Peace Arch Hospital as a shooting option also lists Ridge Meadows Hospital, Delta and Chilliwack Hospitals. Fraser Health says unused spaces at its sites generate revenue to improve patient care and infrastructure. Well, what business are we in? Are we in the healthcare business or are we in the, the film business here? Because right now I can tell you that every inch of this hospital needs to be utilised. BC's health minister was unavailable for comment. Alyssa Thibault, Global News. An outpatient facility at Vancouver General Hospital is closed after a suspected arson. Crews were called to the lobby of the Gordon and Leslie Diamond Healthcare Centre near Oak Street and 12th Avenue early Friday morning. Vancouver Coastal Health says there was limited smoke and water damage. Repairs are happening over the weekend and the building is expected to reopen on Monday. Impacted patients will be contacted to reschedule appointments. The City of Mission is cracking down on secondary suites. It's launched a new program asking homeowners to register their units, whether it's being rented or not. As Angela Jung reports, some are calling the new fee a cash grab, punishing those who are already following the rules. Would you like some coffee, hun? Ralph Williams's home has a secondary suite. They received a letter asking them to pay an annual $200 fee to register with the City of Mission. It's unfair because 
It's only for the people they're aware of. There are so many unregistered suites. That's an issue the city is aware of. We have countless unauthorized suites out there. We don't know how many. But homeowners who aren't renting out their secondary suites are crying foul. If I don't take action, I will see an additional $200 in my property tax notices. With a growing family, Mark Johnson says he needs the space and wasn't planning to rent out the suite in the immediate future. To be exempt, he could install a water meter for a hefty fee. It's just not fair. You're talking about $5,000 at a time when you know, we're all dealing with inflation. Uh, we're dealing with, uh, you know, increased mortgage rates. He says that's why it makes the most sense to remove the suite. I'm going to decommission the suite entirely. The real unfortunate part of that is that's taking a rental suite off the market entirely. So when I sell my home or if my kids move out, we won't have the opportunity to rent that out. To incentivize people with suites that do not meet city bylaws and building codes, the suites can obtain a conditional authorization only if people register before April 2nd of next year. Folks understand that this is something that will help them to have a permanent identification on their title, that they have an officially registered suite, they can sell it, they can advertise it, and know that they are going to be okay. The mayor says if everyone registers their secondary suite, it will give the city a better idea of each neighborhood, allowing it to better plan infrastructure and for school boards to make improvements. Williams has the chance to be exempt from the program since family lives in the suite. His concern, the fee will only keep on climbing. It's a slippery slope. It starts out with $200 and then it's $500 and $1,000. Angela Jung, Global News. A B.C. Supreme Court judge has ruled a People's Party of Canada candidate must stop describing himself as an engineer. I came to the Victoria area to combine my engineering experience and love of music production to work for a company that makes products for performing musicians. David Hilderman ran in the riding of Saanich Gulf Islands in the last federal election. He publicly described himself as an engineer in campaign materials and on social media, but was not a member of the province's Association of Professional Engineers and Geoscientists. The association filed a lawsuit in 2022 to try and stop him from using the term engineer. In a decision released this week, the judge found it was a breach of the Professional Governance Act and has now ordered him to stop using the title. In the Pemberton Valley, residents are asking for the province's help when it comes to coexisting with grizzly bears. As Paul Johnson reports, while the bear population in the Sea to Sky Corridor recovers, grizzly interactions with the public are also on the rise. In the farm and ranch country northwest of Pemberton, the return of the grizzly is either terrifying or thrilling, depending on who you talk to. What we're hearing from farmers and residents of the Pemberton Valley is that there are more bear sightings than we've ever really experienced in recent memory. Grizzlies were shot out of this valley long ago, but changing views and the ending of the trophy hunt in BC have allowed their numbers to grow again, with curious and hungry bears now wandering where they haven't been in decades. Jen Ford is the chair of the Squamish Lillooet Regional District. We're hearing that some grizzlies are uh, boldly accessing farmland. Um, they're traveling into areas that they traditionally have not traveled before, and there's a lot of concern. Among the things they're learning in Pemberton is the challenge of relocating grizzly bears. Earlier this fall, they moved one over to the Stein Valley, which is a long way and over the mountains. 
it was back in a few days. The situation has prompted the regional district to reach out to the province for guidance on a grisly coexistence strategy. They'd like to get some plans drawn up before the bears emerge from hibernation in the spring. Education, public safety, and management of attractants will all likely be on the table. We have to up our game because we're building communities more and more into bear habitat, so interactions are going up for sure. Coming into the city or into the town of Pemberton, I'll say, um, is a safety hazard for, there's a lot of families and a lot of, um, you know, pedestrians that live here. While grizzlies are on the move, so is public perception, particularly in a place that's seen an influx of new residents whose reason to come here was to experience wild BC. I mean, I think they should be left alone, obviously, or, or, or even, if that's possible, move them further out there, but I wouldn't want to see any harm come to them. Basically because they lived here long before we did. As the Cedar Sky region comes up with a new grizzly plan, it's worth noting that for all the sightings and concern, we couldn't find a single report of an aggressive move by a grizzly here this year, let alone a case where anyone was hurt. In Pemberton, Paul Johnson, Global News. Operation Red Nose dedicates itself to providing safe rides home for people every holiday season, but this year, not many people are using the service. The service only gave seven rides last Saturday night, despite being in their 28th annual road safety campaign. The volunteer group says it's all done by donation, and since they only operate on Fridays and Saturdays in December, they want to get as many as possible. We technically operate until 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, but the rides have been so slow, we've actually had to close our lines a little bit earlier as we've had no rides. This year we're down in our numbers of volunteers as well as the rides. So it's kind of a, a twofold. We um, are lacking in that. We used to have sometimes up to 25 teams go out in a night and now we're getting maybe five or six teams going out in one evening. The group had shut down operations for three years because of the pandemic and are now hoping to bounce back. They say the rise in ride-sharing apps may also be contributing to their low numbers. Police in Surrey say they've arrested a Grinch attempting to steal from a nonprofit toy bureau. Around 2.15 in the morning Tuesday, police received calls of someone attempting to break into the Surrey Christmas Bureau. Near the back of the building, police found a man with a cart containing three large boxes full of toys. Police seized the boxes, the man was detained, and an investigation is ongoing. Holiday celebrations for hundreds of families in need got underway today at the 25th annual Boxes of Love event. It's put on by the City Reach Care Society and provides families with groceries, gift cards, toys, even holiday photos. 700 Lower Mainland families, most of which are on the Care Society's Food for Families program, received a special box of love. Christmas is right around the corner, and uh, for a lot of these families, uh, they don't get to experience um, a Christmas with presents and, and things like that. And so, when they, a lot, for many of these families, when they receive a box of love, they get a wrapped Christmas gift for each child in their family. And s for some of those families, it's the only Christmas gift that they're going to receive. And so, it feels so special to be able to let families know that we are in their corner, that there's a community that, that loves them, that cares for them, and that there's hope. Two more events were also underway today in Surrey and Port Coquitlam. 
A free pop-up clothing store in Vancouver's Oppenheimer Park attracted hundreds of downtown East Side residents today. It's organized by the charity Employ to Empower, which set up around 50 tables and 30 tents throughout the park, helping to provide a dignified holiday shopping experience to some of the city's most vulnerable citizens. Shoppers were able to choose up to 10 gently used clothing items, enjoy a free meal and get a free haircut. I know um, when we were handing out some underwear that are new and not used, people were just super excited to have that uh, because it's just sanitary and people are always happy to just grab an extra blanket, especially with street sweeps happening and decampments. It's really important that they're able to pick something warm up for themselves. Um, and it's also important because they get to choose what they want rather than us just give what, they, what we think they need. The street store has grown considerably since it first began in 2014. The first one had just two tables of items for the community. Still to come, ski GPS with pinpoint accuracy. The BC ski resorts with a new way of keeping tabs on your group while out on the slopes. And environmentalists sounding the alarm over what they call the unnecessary loss of green space in northern BC. Two ski resorts in the Okanagan are moving to a high-tech GPS tracking system to help people keep an eye on their family and friends when out on the mountain. As Victoria Famia reports, the system was created locally and is already in use. Keeping an eye on who you're out skiing with just got a lot easier. The whole idea is just a location finder for it. Doesn't have to be your children, but that was the intended purpose. It could be friends, it could be family members, it could be whatever. It's called Ski Crumb. It's a wearable device that can pinpoint someone's location in case they get lost or separated from their group. Ski resorts have a lot of area. There's a lot of terrain there. Kids can deviate off normal groomed runs, go into trees, and if they get hurt or if they get lost or whatever, you can just quickly look on your phone and be able to exactly pinpoint uh, where that person is. At Apex Resort, the ski crumb devices are available on site for rental. However, at Big White, it's only available during lessons. Safety is always our number one priority in any of our ski and board school lessons. So to have this is an extra layer just to make sure that if we happen to zig when they zag, we can always get to them as fast as we can. GPS trackers aren't new to Big White. The resort was using a device from a U.S. company before switching to Ski Crumb, which is locally owned. Ski Crumb is an app that was designed by one of the customers at Apex Mountain Resort who um, wanted to have peace of mind of being able to track his kids. And so there are things out there, there's air tags, there's certain uh, devices, but nothing that is uh, pinpointable and an exact location finder as the ski crumb. The ski crumb trackers are not just for safety. At the end of the day, those who use it will get an entire map outline of all the runs done during the day as a fun way to see what you did. All our guests are connected to the GPS uh, and we'll be able to see them on our computer. Once we've uh, finished the lesson, the parents will be able to go online and relive that child's day through a program. You'll be able to see a map of the resort and you'll be able to see that dot move around the resort and figure out exactly where you went. Victoria Vimia, Global News. Those who visit the Lower Seymour Conservation Reserve on the North Shore are being asked to respect the forest after an uptick in human waste being found. This sign, posted by staff near Rice Lake, raises concerns of the invasive feces despite multiple washrooms nearby. People are asked to please be respectful of the environment and staff who clean the lakeshore. 
Students from the University of Northern BC's Environmental Sciences program are calling on Prince George City officials to look at the importance of green spaces and wildlife. We get this story from CKPG. Prince George residents love the great outdoors, especially our trees. A pair of presentations from UNBC students in the Environmental Sciences program had a couple of concepts, starting with the importance of green spaces, a sentiment shared by local tree advocate James Dittle. I think we're losing a lot of green space around the city. A lot of it uh, seems to me to be unnecessary as, as far as providing housing is concerned. Uh, so we're standing here at the, uh, the end of 22nd on, on one of the trails that is considered you know, part of Ginter's Green. And there's recently quite a bit of uh, forest that was cut down here. And, you know, we argued that, uh, I mean, I think it looks like they, they cut down 100% of the trees on the, on the uh, block. goes without saying, we live in Prince George. Uh, people, we took some of the things for granted because we always said, wow, we've got a lot of trees. So well, what, what's the point here? Um, the, 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 the key is a better design. This was an unprecedented year for bears in the city. It brought up the issue of bear-resistant garbage cans once again. The idea was piloted several years ago and were found to be ineffective. There are numerous examples of other communities in Alberta and in BC who have large bear populations, large urban bear populations, and they managed to do it without killing an excess of 150 bears in one season. And speaking of critters like bears, the presentation to council also noted the need for wildlife corridors. City, there's a lot of really critical wildlife habitat like along the Fraser River uh, and the corridors for the animals that went down there weren't respected when we did a lot of that development on the lower bench there uh, below Malaspina and I think that that sort of stuff has to be considered in the planning, the urban planning in our city. However, it was noted repeatedly by mayor and council that things like a tree bylaw would be looked at during the review of the official community plan. Cheryl Jan, CKPG News. Still ahead, RCMP arrests a teenager on terror charges. What we know so far about an alleged plot against the Jewish community in Canada. And calls for an end to the fighting in Gaza intensify in the wake of the Israeli military mistakenly killing three hostages. Global News exclusive out of Ottawa, where a high school student has been arrested by the RCMP in relation to an alleged terrorism plot against the Jewish community. The youth has been charged with facilitating facilitation of a terrorist activity by communicating instructional material related to an explosive substance and with instructing directly or indirectly a person to carry out a terrorist activity against Jewish persons. Mercedes Stevenson is in Ottawa and has been confirming details about the case. On Friday night, the RCMP carried out a highly sensitive national security operation here in Ottawa, arresting a teenager on terror-related charges. Two national security sources had told Global News that the target was the Jewish community and that the teen was ideologically motivated. Sources say an RCMP tactical team was present for the arrest and so were officers from the chemical, biological, nuclear and high explosives team over concerns about what the teen may have in his possession. The young man's father spoke with Global News outside the courthouse where his son had appeared on Saturday morning. He said the boy is in grade 10 and that he had been concerned about religious extremists trying to radicalize his son. And I warned him many times, me and his mother, uh, stay away from, uh, you know, extremists or something. You know, we never had this in, uh, in the family. Uh, we don't have, uh, but it seems, um, you know, I think uh, he's, you know, he's minor, he's 15 years old. I think they try to use him and they stay in 
some people, that's what I think, some extremists try to use him. He's, uh, he's kind of naive, he never used violence, nothing, you know. He, um, I mean, I'm surprised. Two sources told Global News that someone affiliated with ISIS may have been involved in trying to direct the teen. The teen's father told us that he and the boy's mother had tried to set up counseling with an imam at a local mosque. It's unclear if that ever went through. National security sources have told me that they are deeply concerned about the threats to the Jewish community in Canada from both neo-Nazi hate groups and groups like ISIS. There are active investigations across the country. Tonight, sources in the Jewish community say they are afraid, but relieved that police are acting. The Canadian Centre for Israel and Jewish Affairs told Global News the arrest and charges laid today against an individual are a staggering development of what unchecked anti-Semitism has become in our country. The RCMP say they are deeply concerned about the radicalization of youth in Canada and that there have been five arrests of youth in the past year on terror charges, something that they are not used to seeing. Mercedes Stevenson, Global News, Ottawa. In the Middle East, there is fallout after Friday's news that Israeli military accidentally killed three of Hamas's hostages in Gaza after mistaking them for hostiles. Despite the tragic error, Israel is keeping up its assault on Gaza, which has already killed thousands of Palestinians. But the tragedy has realized the fears of family members whose loved ones were taken captive by Hamas on October 7th. Many have long worried the siege is just endangering the hostages even further. As Sean O'Shea reports, it's fueling calls to stop hostilities altogether. The bombardment of Gaza didn't let up on Saturday, even in the wake of a deadly mistake. On Friday, three Israeli hostages held captive since October 7th were shot and killed, a terrible blunder which the Israeli Defense Forces acknowledged. Admitting their soldiers mistakenly identified three kidnapped Israelis as a threat. Published reports in Israel say a military investigation has found the men were bare-chested and carrying a white flag when they were shot. In Israel, the news was another blow for the families of hostages who live in hope and fear. My reaction, first of all, was grief. These are families that I know personally and people that have been waiting so hopefully for their loved ones to return. Hundreds of protesters blocked the main highway in Tel Aviv, calling for the hostages' return. And put the best offer on the table to get the hostages back alive. Alive. We don't want them back in bags. There is a need to just stop and, and talk. The head of the Palestinian delegation to Canada says it's time for Israel to stop its military action in Gaza. This week, Canada joined Australia and New Zealand at the United Nations, voting for what it called an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. But that ceasefire can't be one-sided. Hamas needs to lay down its arms. Hamas needs to free all the hostages they have right now. The accidental deaths of the hostages at the hands of the military has family members watching the clock more closely. We have no time. That's what my clock that I took to the United States Antony meeting says we have no time. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto. After the break, Yvonne's got the forecast and we'll show you the Santas making a splash as they get around on something other than a sleigh, all for a good cause. From breaking news 
to developing stories. We have teams in the field in some of the worst hit areas of this province. Global news is as local as it gets. No one connects you to your community better than BC's number one news. Come home to the team you trust with the stories that matter most to British Columbians. Global News Hour at 6. We are BC's News. Well, here's something that's very Pacific Northwest. A unique group of paddleboarders hit the waters of Lake Washington Friday. The paddling Santas, Buddy the Elf, and the Grinch launched from the shores off Seattle. It was part of Santa Paddle Week, organized by the Northwest Paddle Community. The event raises money to help people fighting cancer during the holidays. The group says it's been a holiday tradition for nearly 10 years. Yvonne joins us now. And it would have been a nice day for a little Santa paddle over here, too. Yeah, it would have been nice when it's dry out there. It looks great. I love the costumes and Santa making it out of the water. Uh, thanks so much, Travis. Good evening, everyone. Uh, we've got dry conditions. It's been a dry start to our weekend, even a few breaks out there. There is a change on the way in our long-range forecast, and I'll have that coming up in just a moment. We're currently sitting at 7 degrees. We'll dip down this evening closer to 4. Some of the overnight lows, it'll be chilly. But the weather story that we're following, we've actually got a ridge of high pressure or ridge rather that's been building. We are going to continue to benefit it benefit from it for leading in towards tomorrow and then this will be the next weather maker that's on deck and that is going to move in and bring a bit of a change. Now here's some of the forecast lows overnight tonight just below the freezing mark for Whistler factor in the wind chill feeling like minus three. Prince George will be minus six in areas near Fort Nelson down to minus 13. An area of concern this evening we've got near zero visibility dense fog advisor remains in effect for Victoria surrounding regions. We are going to continue to track that overnight and then it should start to dissipate in most areas across the south coast. We'll be seeing some fog this evening, but that'll be the area that we'll be watching very closely. Wanted to put this into play, especially as we get in late day Monday. Monday through the day, we've got the chance for some showers. Barry, are you okay? Oh, is everything fine? <laughs> Barry's fine? Okay. So I'll make sure safety first. Okay. We've got this rain that is going to move in. That'll be for Monday night, taking us in towards our Tuesday. We are going to see a rainfall across the region. Now, if you're traveling along the mountain passes, we do have fog right across the board. Rogers Pass, a few flurries, not much in terms of accumulation and then as we look ahead towards tomorrow it is going to dissipate and we are seeing dry conditions. Northern half of the province we are seeing a few showers of the mix. Temperatures will bump up to four. A few isolated flurries across the central interior. The northeastern corners seeing an increase in cloud cover. Temperatures just getting up to three as a daytime high. Southern half of the province though so fog for the morning hours. Some breaks through the afternoon. Kamloops tomorrow with highs up to two and Whistler topping out closer to four degrees. Now along the south coast and the island. We will see that fog very dense, especially for areas near Victoria. And then as we get in towards the afternoon, we've got a mainly cloudy sky. Pleasant for tomorrow. Highs up to 8. On Monday, we are seeing a slight chance for some showers. And then the rain moving in Monday night. A soggy one so far on our Tuesday. Temperatures will be up to 9 degrees. Travis? Alright, thanks Yvonne. The annual Filipino Christmas market was bustling with visitors in Vancouver today. As Safia Pirani reports, it's the community's second generation that are determined to lead the celebrations for the future. And so we are just, you know, happy to show a little bit of everything uh, to show how diverse we are as a community. On Saturday, people gathered at the St. Patrick's Church for Maligayang Pasco, Vancouver, which means Merry Christmas, Vancouver in Tagalog. 
a festive market organized by the Philippine consulate since 2019. We started with about 30 vendors and now we are already 40. The annual event showcases how the Filipino community marks the special time of the year with traditional food, storytelling for kids, musical performances and making colorful star lanterns known as parole. We start as soon as September kicks in. You know, you hear Christmas songs in the air. Uh, the shops start decorating in Chris, uh, their Christmas decor, putting up their Christmas decor. But what's encouraging is that you'll find many younger entrepreneurs here who are inspired to lead their community forward. That includes Maureen Mendoza, who started her online bookstore during the pandemic when her son was born to keep him connected to his roots. As like a second generation Canadian, it's really important to um, kind of celebrate the context that we're in, um, where being Canadian, but also uh, where our parents and our ancestors have come from. And Vincent Garcia, one of the owners of Kasama Chocolate, a small batch company on Granville Island, whose mother couldn't be more proud. She is here with me. She's the Kasama Mama, Tita Star. She helps me out with some of the markets. And she loves coming and seeing a lot of her friends and some family here. A fun celebration of culture and the magic of the holiday season. A lot of community spirit here. Yes. How does that make you feel? Uh, it makes me feel great. I mean, I was born and raised in Vancouver. So to be able to like recreate a bit of that um, sense of home and community from the Philippines here is a wonderful feeling. Safiya Pirani, Global News. Okay, well, I'm officially hungry after seeing that. <laughs> we need smell-o-vision for those segments. Exactly. I would have expected a little karaoke there. Yeah. yeah. My singing. Filipino no friends, Filipino. I know they have trouble not singing. So. We probably don't want smell-o-vision for the sports segment. No. Were you talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> Some of those locker rooms. Ah, uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah the hockey kidding. gear. Yeah, the, you know, the Canucks uh, started a four-game uh, road trip in Minnesota today uh, against the Wild. Did not have their game. These afternoon starts are, are tough on uh, a lot of the Canadian teams. They just don't play them very often, especially starting on the road. So they were a little off, but if you want to look at it positively, they managed a point. They lost in over or in the, the shootout two to one. Not the most exciting hockey game in the world, but we will have highlights of that uh, coming up. So that's the key. That's what Rick Tockett's got him playing good defense. So when you're not at your best, get something at least, and that's what they got. So went in there and got a point. Mm -hmm. Some Nothing wrong with that. Weird early morning game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that works. Uh -huh. Okay, thanks, Barry. Mm -hmm. Still ahead, tis the season for stress. We'll hear from a psychologist on how to manage your own well-being during a time that's all about giving to others. The holiday season is a time of joy, but some factors can leave some of us stressed. Clinical psychologist Dr. Monica Vermani says losing healthy routines, including eating times and sleep, could contribute to decreased mental well-being. In addition, alcohol consumption and overspending are also contributing factors. Experts advise to take personal time out to set boundaries for yourselves and others. Our boundaries are not just about people and work. It's sometimes with ourselves so that we can recheck, am I on track with health? Am I eating properly? Am I sleeping properly? Do I need to bring medical appointments in? Because right now I'm feeling off kilter. Kelowna Rockers' dying breed are now the stars of a new documentary that not only shines a light on their music, but also their goals to help destigmatize men's mental health and help those struggling feel less alone. Sydney Morton has the story. 
The members of the Okanagan Zone Dying Breed are now the stars of a new documentary that takes you behind the scenes to get to know the men behind the music. I think that's like one of the more exciting things right now is, is seeing the growth start to happen. For so long we've been a small town band, I guess, but now we're actually starting to see all the hard work starting to pay off a little bit. The band has been steadily gaining traction since forming during the pandemic. It's released a heavy-hitting EP, multiple singles, and now a documentary called Dying Breed, an origin story that not only follows them as they prepare for two performances on Canada Day, but also shares their passion to destigmatize men's mental health issues. In it, they share their inspiration for their song, McKinley Skies. When our friend Jordan unfortunately took his own life, um, it was actually in the McKinley Landing area is where he was found. Um, as I was driving to practice one day, I was going through Glenmore and it was this beautiful, beautiful sunset and something took over me and I just started to cry out of nowhere. I feel like a musician's duty to do that, you know? You're supposed to use your words and your, your licks and, you know, your riffs to kind of keep those people alive in your life. The documentary is being watched not only in Canada, but also Finland, the UK, and the US. As musicians, I mean, we, we do try to connect with people through our music. That's what we want. We want them to get a connection, right? Now the band is focusing on releasing its first album, just in time for next summer. Sydney Morton, Global News. After the break, Barry's here with sports. It was an early start for the Canucks today, who were back on the road facing off against the Minnesota Wild. Come get lost in the twinkle of one million festive lights. Glow Langley is back with a Christmas carnival-themed light show. Join the festivities below the big top for live music, food trucks, mini carnival games, and more. Bring in the new year with an epic 80s dance party with the Atari Radio Stars. Dress in your best 80s glitz and dance into 2024 with the biggest hits of the 80s. Info at mooncoinlive.com. For RBC, I'm Yvonne Shell. In partnership with BC Cancer Foundation, with you, life beyond cancer is within reach. Give at bccancerfoundation.com. I turned on the TV this morning and was pleasantly surprised to see a Canucks game live. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, they're on the road. They haven't played a whole lot of afternoon games this year. I'm not even sure if this might, might have been their first one. I'd have to double check, but you're right. It's a rarity, and it's uh, tough for the players. They're uh, kind of prisoners of habit, and uh, Canucks did not look like they were on point today. All right, thanks, Travis. Even though the Canucks saw their four-game win streak snap this afternoon in Minnesota, they still got something out of it, a loser point, falling 2-1 in the shootout. Canucks just kind of looked out of sorts all game, starting a road trip with an afternoon start time definitely threw them off, but Vancouver's turned into one of the best defensive teams in the league. As a matter of fact, ever since that crazy 6-5 loss to the Devils a couple of weeks ago, the Canucks have only allowed five goals in their last five games. You're going to win a lot if that's the case. Rick Tockett had his team rolling four points back of uh, first place Vegas entering the day, a low event opening period. The only goal goes to the Wild as Marcus Foligno finds Freddie Gaudreau on the tip-in. 1-0 
Minnesota after one, but the Canucks get it back early second. Another big play from the fourth line. Man, have they been good this year. Connor Garland, great pass to Dakota Joshua, who centers for Teddy Bluger. His third of the year, once again, that line contributing key secondary scoring. It's one all. Canucks had five power plays, did not look sharp for most of them, but Quinn Hughes with a great pass springs JT Miller, but he's stopped by Philip Gustafson. This was the kind of uh, game a power play goal would have made a big difference, but they were 0 for 5. Just as the penalty ends, Joel Erickson Eck out of the box, in on the breakaway, hooked by Philip Hironik. DeSmith makes the save. Should have been a penalty shot, I think, but the Canucks killed off the minor anyway. On the power play, Kirill Kaprizov has a chance, rips the one-timer, but uh, Casey DeSmith, who shut out the Wild uh, in Vancouver last week with another big save. One all through two, third period, Marcus Foligno with the net drive. Once again, DeSmith stands his ground, or at least his ice, and then in the final moments of regulation, Smith with a game-saving stop off Alex Goligoski. That gets the Canucks to overtime where not much happened. So, we need a shootout. First wild shooter is Matt Zuccarello, the veteran Norwegian. It's a smart play. I think a lot of guys just do too many deeks and it never works. You got to shoot the puck and he goes five hole and it's advantage wild. This was the Canucks first shootout of the year and it looked like it. JT Miller attempt never had a chance. Too slow. Those stick handles rarely work. Elias Pettersson needs to score but his shot stopped and the Canucks at least scratch out a point. 2-1 shootout loss. They're in Chicago tomorrow at 12 noon to take on Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks. I don't know if it's a plane ride, not be able to skate. I, I don't know if you attribute to it, but we were, the execution was a little bit off the first couple. I thought the third we started to come find ourselves a little bit. You know, we grinded out, got the, got the point, so you're, you're like, you like that. But, yeah, the execution, we had a tough time handling pucks. Um, so when you you know you got to learn how to play these tight games when things aren't going your way. You know, um, try not to give them much. Uh, Casey was good. You know, Smith, that, that's a positive. All right, NHL action tonight. Rick Bonus and the Jets taking on the Avalanche in Winnipeg. Jets in a three-team battle with the Avs and Stars for first in the Central. Gabe Velarde, the former LA King, elevated to the first line to replace the injured Kyle Connor, his third of the year. He had four points in his last game versus LA, playing on the top line. Second period, now 2-0, and another former King, Alex Ayafalo with the steal and backhander in the Jets have won it, just gone final, 6-2 over Colorado. Penguins and Maple Leafs from Toronto, first period. The Leafs, they're gonna open the scoring. Matthew Nyes with a pretty solo effort, beats uh, Tristan Jari, the Surrey kid, in the Penguins net, 1-0 Toronto. And the Leafs, who scored five goals in the third period the other day against Columbus to come back. We're filling the net again tonight. Mitch Marner with his 13th. No Austin Matthews tonight, but doesn't seem to matter. 7-0 late third Leafs. Women's hockey from Sarnia, Ontario. Canada and the USA continuing their rivalry series. USA has won the first three games, including a 3-2 overtime win the other night in Kitchener. Canada was down 2-0 in the third, but got two to tie it, including this one from Ella Shelton. So we need a shootout, and it's... Captain Clutch to the rescue, Marie-Philippe Poulin. Great move to score the only goal of the shootout, and Canada stays alive in the series with a 3-2 win. Vancouver Warriors get back at it tonight at Rogers Arena against the Georgia Swarm. 7 o'clock start time. Warriors dropped their season opener a couple of weeks ago, so they are hungry to get that first win tonight. We'll have highlights at 11 o'clock on NewsHour Final. NFL today, yeah, three games on this Saturday, including the Bengals and Vikings from Cincinnati. Both teams 7-6. and six. 
in the playoff hunt late fourth. It's Nick Mullins at QB for the Vikings, finding Jordan Addison. Mullins filling in for Kirk Cousins, who's out for the season with injury. So 24-17 Minnesota. Bengals, too, have their backup quarterback, Jake Browning, filling in for Joe Burrow, who is also done for the season. Final minute, Browning to T. Higgins, who not only makes a great catch, but look at the play. He swings around and breaks the plane of the goal line. That's a touchdown. What a play by T. Higgins. Ties it at 24. We need overtime. And in OT, it's the Bengals kicker, Evan McPherson, with a chance to win it from 28 yards out. Who's going to miss a 28-yarder in the NFL? As uh, since he wins their 8-6, and six, Vikes drop to 7-7, seven and seven, which is good news for the Seahawks. Also today, Steelers and Colts, both of those teams also 7-6 and six in the playoff hunt. Steelers raced out 13-0, but Gardner Minshew brings the Colts back. Hits DJ Montgomery for the 14-yard touchdown just before the half. Colts go up by one, and then in the third quarter, Minshew with his third TD pass of the game. This one to Mo Alley-Cox, and Indy wins it 30-13. They go to eight and six. Steelers have lost three in a row. They are seven and seven. Check out some football across the pond. Man City hosting Crystal Palace. City struggling in fourth in the Premiership. All City in the first half. Jack Grealish and a bit of a scoring run lately. Man City led 2-0, but Palace got one back, and in stoppage time, that's a penalty in the box. So Michael Olise will convert from the spot and City. Man, they're struggling. They have to settle for a two-all draw. Just one win in their last five for Man City. Their fourth place in the EPL. PNC Championship Golf. Tiger Woods partnered with his now 14-year-old son, Charlie, in this family team competition. Charlie, like the old man, can hit it a mile. This drive goes about 320, turns the corner on the short par four, actually over the green. They made a two-putt birdie. Team Woods, though, had putting issues, could only post eight under in the scramble format. By the way, Tiger's daughter, Sam, right there in the middle, Caddy for her dad today, so all the family out. The leaders are the Coochers, Matt and his 16-year-old son Cameron, who uh, drains the eagle. The Coochers fired a 15 under 57. They have a three-shot lead. They're seven up on Tiger and Charlie. Final round of that tournament tomorrow in Orlando. But Charlie Woods, <laughs> the kid can play already. Sure. Only 14, a lot of spotlight on him, but he's, uh, he's used to it already, being Tiger's dad. He's driving over the green. Yeah, that's uh, something I can't claim. No, and With the uh, fifth shot, but not the tee ball. No, I'll never be able to do, <laughs> never be able to do that on one. Okay, yeah. thanks, Barry. Right. After the break, we'll catch up with the always festive CP holiday train as it rolls through the province. Stay with us. The CP holiday train is moving on after a couple of stops in the shoe swap last night. We caught up with the train in Canoe, where the community came together for a big celebration. A huge welcome for the CP Rail Holiday Train in Canoe. Excellent. It was great for the Christmas spirit. Since 1999, the train has been bringing communities together to watch the festive entertainment and collect donations for local food banks. One can's more than I started with, one dollar's more than I started with. So every little bit helps. Canoe joined in the celebrations 10 years ago. Being with all the people. And the joy and being with your friends and family. 
We see the excitement, we see the kids dancing, we see the food bank setting up and the firefighters coming out to help collect food and it's the community coming together. And these are communities that we're a part of, they're across our network. So being able to have a direct impact is very important to all of us. The crowd is always impressive in Canoe, a community with a population of just over a thousand people and the holiday train draws a crowd of about three times that. We love the fireworks. It was very good. It was amazing. The train is continuing on through the interior before heading to the coast. Its last BC stop will be in Port Coquitlam on December 18th. Very good stuff. Yeah, that's a long journey and it's all coming to an end. And the trains all run by coal, is that true? No. <laughs> <laughs> I like all to the, stir it up. Yeah, yeah, all the coal for those bad kids. Uh, one last look at weather before we go. Uh, it's going to be dry this evening, but we've got some fog in the mix. Uh, keep that in mind for Sunday morning. It'll dissipate. We'll be dry tomorrow, mainly cloudy, but then late day Monday, taking us in towards our Tuesday. A look ahead through the week. Uh, we are going to see the wettest day so far, soggy on Tuesday, and then it should start to ease off by Wednesday. Thursday, on Thursday, officially welcoming the shortest day will be welcoming um, winter rather that's officially on Thursday yeah it hasn't been too dark yet Yvonne so yeah yeah no not at all right four <laughs> yeah. o'clock just hits and yeah, yeah I want to go to yeah, bed it's been great yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay now the days are going to yeah, get okay, longer so as, after we get past Thursday it'll be good okay yeah. nice mild day for the first day of winter not not bad yeah. well <laughs> thanks for joining us have a great night For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.